Well, good morning. Uh, Thank you, Patrick, for lighting that candle. Now, everyone who we've asked to light a candle from now on will say no, all right? Because they're going to be like, I'm not going up there. Are you kidding me? So, uh, but no, we appreciate you doing that, and uh, we'll make sure we have lighters at work. But uh, welcome to our first uh, Sunday for our new Christmas series. And uh, like I said, uh, in the welcome, if you were in here, we're doing this series. It's called Before and After. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, on my social media feed, maybe you do like Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, um, over the last couple weeks, there's been a new trend where people were doing this 10-year challenge, and uh, it's kind of this idea of before and after of, uh, hey, let me post a picture of myself 10 years ago, and then you can see how much I've changed. And so uh, I thought I would play along. So this is a picture of me 10 years ago. All right, there we go. Uh, not very much facial hair at all, and, uh, and a lot thicker hair on top. And then this was me just the other day. So there you go. <laughs> so uh, at much... I always tell people that if you have to explain the joke, it's not nearly as funny. But for those of you in the room who don't know, that's Adam Levine. And uh, he is a singer for Maroon 5, but also used to be on The Voice. And much to my wife's dismay, that is not me. And so, um, but uh, yeah, so there's just this idea of transformation that happens in sometimes naturally in all of our lives. Uh, but then sometimes, um, you know, we can kind of see it. Uh, as we just make changes and changes continue to happen. And so today we're talking about this idea of moving from sin to a savior. And I know it can be a little bit odd for you to think about as we're kind of diving into this Christmas series. And, uh, and obviously the birth of Jesus is a big part of that. But we're going to have to back up and understand really the why. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why was he born on that night? What were the events that were surrounding all of that? And the thing that we're really going to see this morning is this idea that Jesus has always been the answer. And that Jesus helps us move from a life of sin that's been going on from the very beginning of time to a life of being saved. And so that is the before and after story that, uh, that we're really going to be talking about this morning. If you have a Bible or if you want to grab one in front of you, if you want to use one of the apps that's available on your uh, phone, uh, I encourage you to turn into the book of Matthew this morning. And so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. And, and this is going to set up, this is the Jesus birth kind of narrative. This is the, the version that we're going to look at this morning. And uh, one of the things that I want you to understand is that uh, as we kind of talk about this idea of transformation, as we kind of talk about this idea of before and after, that, uh, that this is the scene that Jesus is coming into. This is the, uh, the story of hope that kind of arrives, but not everybody could see it. Not everybody understood it. Not, it, wasn't, it wasn't as plain as it is today. When we hear about Jesus... When we see a manger scene, when, when we think about baby Jesus coming to earth, all these thoughts come to mind for us. We think about the gift that God gave us. We think about uh, all the hope that Jesus brings for all of us. We think about the good news and we, we think maybe about Jesus' life and his death on the cross and all of the things that that brings. But for the people that were there in it, living it, at the time when it was happening, they didn't know all that. Those things weren't 
abundantly clear to them. And so there was some things that, that had to be explained. And so here we are in Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. And I love how the author kind of starts this. It just simply says, says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. It says his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And there's a lot to unpack there and for us to try to understand what's going on. Uh, but here we have just the telling, in, in a really short, compact way, the story of Jesus' arrival. Mary and Joseph are pledged to be married. And at some point in time, it's evident that, that Mary is visibly pregnant. And Joseph knows that, that they haven't been together, and he is a, uh, he's a God-fearing man. He obeys the law, and so, but, he, but he also has respect for Mary. And so it says that, that he's going to divorce her quietly. He's not going to make a big deal about this, but he knows that he can't go forward with this marriage. And it says that as he's considering this, an angel from the Lord comes to him and says, No, Joseph, you're okay to go forward with this marriage marriage because what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. I just want you to imagine, put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes. Get a young, soon-to-be bride who finds out she's going to be having a baby and that, that this baby is from God. You've got a, a, a young fiancé who is um, just wondering what in the world's going on. His world kind of seems like maybe it's crashing around, down around him as he finds out that his fiancé is pregnant. Now he has an angel of the Lord saying, no, this is from God. And we get this small little section here at the end. Joseph, take Mary home to be your wife. And give this baby boy the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was born into a purpose. Jesus came for a reason. And here in the book of Matthew, we see it spelled out for us. But I want you to understand, I want you to see that Joseph maybe didn't even hear the most important part of this story. You know, he probably heard, okay... This baby's from God, or there's something that's crazy going on here, and I'm just going to go with it. But to, and, and maybe he heard, okay, Jesus, that's the name. But Jesus came for a reason. He came to save his people from their sins. Now, we're coming out of a, a book in Romans. We just, as a church, walked through 16 chapters of Romans. And one of the things that Romans spells out really, really well is this idea that we are all a broken people. That sin is something that affects every one of us. And that because of sin, we deserve death. But we find hope 
in Jesus. That, that's one of the, the big ideas of the book of Romans, this idea of spelling out the gospel, that making clear this idea that we are saved by grace through Jesus, that even though we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God, that, that Jesus is our hope. And that's exactly what the book of Matthew says. It says Jesus is going to come to earth. Jesus is going to come on the scene. And that Jesus' reason for coming, even in a, the form of a baby, is to save his people from their sins. Jesus comes and he brings hope. Now to understand why he came and, and where this whole idea comes from, we'll have to back up to, uh, to the book of Genesis. But just let me read that to you one last time. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. There it is. That's the setup. And as we, as we think about where we're going to go from here, we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book that's found in your Bible, and it chronicles kind of the beginning of time. In it, in the first two chapters, we find the story of creation. How God created the heavens and the earth, and how in doing so, God created the very first humans, Adam and Eve. God gave Adam and Eve a garden to dwell in. Basically, a perfect life. And they lived in this garden with God. God would come down and he would dwell amongst them. It says that God would walk through the garden and that they would have conversations with God. God gave them instructions about how they were to live in this garden. And he said that everything that was in the garden was there for their use, except for one thing. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil that stood in the middle of that tree. God told them not to eat from that tree. Now on the scene in chapter 3 comes a serpent. It's this devil, Satan, in the form of a certain. And it has a conversation. He has a conversation with Eve. And he begins to quiz Eve about what exactly God said about this tree. And he starts to plant ideas into Eve's head that, no, God's just trying to keep you from being like him. That if you eat this, you will be like them. And he uses some deception. And he uses some lies. And he makes a case for Eve to try the fruit that was found on this tree. And it says that Eve saw the fruit and saw that it was good for eating and that she tried it. And that she gave some of it to her husband, Adam. Immediately after eating this fruit, Adam and Eve realized that they were in the garden and that they were naked. And it says that they felt great shame. They actually went and hid and made themselves clothing. And that God was coming and he was walking through the garden and that Adam and Eve hid from them. God was calling out to them, trying to find out where they were, as if God didn't already know. And in the midst of this, we find this passage in Genesis chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. This conversation that happens between God and Adam and Eve. It says, Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. 
So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There's a prophecy that's in here. Sin has entered into the world because of Adam and Eve. And because of that sin, God has created a new reality. God in Genesis created mankind. He created the heavens and the earth. But in the book of Genesis, sin, in a much different way, also created as it came into being. Here's a couple things that sin, a few things, three things that sin created. First thing, sin created distance from God. There was a time when Adam and Eve lived in the garden, and they interacted with God in a, in a really intimate way. Because of the fall of man, because of Adam and Eve, Eve's disobedience, God removed Adam and Eve from the garden. And so now the relationship that they had with God is different. It's not that God loves them less. It's not that, that, that God has somehow abandoned them. But their relationship has changed. Sin has distanced them from God. Sin also creates strained relationships. From the very beginning of this story, when God comes in and he asks Adam and Eve about what had taken place, one of the first things that happens is that God speaks to Adam. And Adam immediately begins to blame his wife for what had taken place. Well, you see, it was the woman that you gave me. She's the one that made me do it. Sin damages our relationships. How many of us when confronted with our actions, push off and blame others for our mistakes. How many of you can think about damaged relationships that you have and the mistakes that either somebody's made or the sins that have taken place? Sin creates strained relationships. And sin creates physical suffering. Life got harder for Adam and Eve after the fall. Adam was going to work by the sweat of his brow and everything that he did was going to be harder. Women were going to experience extreme suffering and pain through childbirth. Life was much more difficult after sin entered in. And so I just want to ask you a question. No matter where you are here, maybe you're in high school Uh, Maybe you are a young couple. Maybe you are married. Maybe you're in retirement age. Wherever you're at in life, what is it that sin's been creating in your life? What kind of distance has it been creating? What kind of damage has it been causing? What kind of pain has it created in your life? All the suffering that we have, all the depression that we have, all of the pain that we go through, all a result of the things that sin ushered into the world. 
we see the effects of sin all around us. But from the very, very beginning, God has had a plan. Found in the midst of this kind of instructions to Adam and Eve and to the serpent in the garden, God offers a promise. God says that I will create enmity between your offspring and hers. And he says, and you will, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God's speaking to the serpent there and he says, look, this woman, she's going to have offspring. And at some point in the future, her offspring are going to crush your head. Now you will strike his heel, but you will be defeated. And the son will be victorious. When we think about the story of Jesus coming to earth, understand that Jesus was coming with a purpose. Sin came into the world, and for generations and generations, God used the law to try to help people come along, but really as a, as a, as a guide to show them that they couldn't do things on their own. But the hope that people were really waiting for was going to be found in a child. And what Jesus would do here on earth. This idea of God's people crying out for hope is not new. In the book of Exodus, we see God's people. God's people, the Israelites, and we wouldn't have time to unpack all of what that means, but in the Old Testament, God had a family. And that family continued to grow, and it became a tribe and a nation. And, and through that, through one man, Abraham, God created this giant family. And, and the Old Testament is really a look at how God worked through this big nation of Israel, this family, if you will. God's family ended up in Egypt in the Old Testament. And at a certain point in time, uh, they, were, they were doing good in Egypt. God actually had brought them to Egypt. But there was a time in which the pharaohs that were running Egypt forgot about the Israelites and, uh, and God's promise to them. And this pharaoh decided to enslave these Israelites leaving it, living in Egypt. And so for 400 years, this people of God lived in slavery in this land of Egypt. And they were, just, they were just suffering, and they were crying out. And so this is what it says about that in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. It says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Did you hear that? It says that that God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. 
And so God looked on the Israelites and he was concerned about them. God's people were crying out in pain to God. And God said, I remember you. And after this, God sends Moses to deliver God's people out of Egypt and into freedom. Well, a very, very similar story happens in the New Testament. God's people again find themselves living in misery. They're living in in an occupied state with Roman rule. And God's people are crying out for hope. They're like, we need deliverance. And God hears their cry. And he delivers to them a baby. Jesus. But the thing is, is that God's people in Egypt realized and recognized that they needed out of this slavery they were in. And so Moses came and he physically freed them. In the New Testament, the Israelites found themselves in a very similar situation. And so what they thought was that they needed physically freed from the captivity that they were living in. But God says, you know what? It's not really the physical captivity that you need freed from. It is the sin that you need freed from. And the good news that we have is that Jesus is arrival didn't just save them, but it saves all of us. That we all have hope and salvation through Jesus's birth, death, and resurrection. See, while sin creates distance from God and strained relationships and physical suffering, Jesus's arrival creates something completely different. Jesus creates relationships. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. All right, we belong to the family of God. Where, where sin creates division in relationships, Jesus creates relationships. Where once we didn't belong, now we do belong. Before and after. Before I was not a part of God's family, and now because of Jesus, I am. Where sin destroys, Jesus creates. And even though I'm a sinner, and even though I've made mistakes, through Jesus, I am called A child of God. Because Jesus heals relationships where sin destroys them. Jesus creates forgiveness. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 13, something we just covered a few weeks ago. In the midst of my sin, in the midst of my mistakes, in the midst of everything that I am, Jesus offers forgiveness. Jesus makes me whole again. See, God came and he delivered his people, all people, from something that they didn't even recognize that they needed rescued from. I mean, think about your life. Think about whatever problems that you feel like you have, whatever it is that you're going through financial your marriage health whatever it is and if if i were to say man what is it what is it that's really you know what's broken in your life what what is it that's really at the heart of that 
How many of us would recognize sin as being our real enemy? How many of us would recognize that it's sin that we need overcome from? That sin is at the root of all the damage that's going on in our life. Whether it's sin that we're committing or it's just the results of sin in general in this broken planet that we live on. How many of us would recognize that it's sin that we need rescued from? No, we call it other things. We call it dead or we we call it despair. We call it depression. Sin is the thing that's come into our life that's creating the havoc that we live in today. And Jesus is the hope for that sin. So Jesus creates relationships where sin destroys them. Jesus creates forgiveness where sin creates separation. Jesus creates hope. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. There's a reality that we have to face sometimes. It's not always easy. See, some of the things that we're going through here on earth, some of the hardships that we deal with, some of the health problems that we have, there is not a promise that we receive healing from those things here. Right? Some of you have been praying diligently for somebody to get better. And the reality is that they're not here. Our hope is not built on what happens here. It's based on what happens after. That we have this promise of after. Jesus says, I go and I prepare a place for you that where I am you may also be. Our hope extends beyond this place right here and right now. And our freedom beyond this place right here and right now. And so while we may live where we feel sometimes like we're defeated here, Jesus offers hope that we have a future that is beyond here. And that's hard. Because all of us want to win right here and right now. We, we want to experience a victory here on earth. And sometimes it's difficult for us to understand that our victory extends beyond here. And so some of us live in these places where our before just drags us down. But our team does a really, really good job. I want to um, just kind of read for you that uh, we, had this, um, we had this song that we were singing just before called Glorious Day. And it's this beautiful picture of before and after. It said, it, it said in the song, it said, I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, but you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. My eyes are open. Because when you call my name, I run out of the grave. Before I was dead. And after I'm alive. Jesus' birth on that day brought hope for mankind. That my before doesn't have to be my reality. Because Jesus has me an after.
And so don't let your before mistakes keep you from the future that Jesus has for you. If you're going to be helping out with communion today, I ask that you go ahead and make your way to the back. Don't let your before mistakes keep you from the future that Jesus has for you. Some of us, we just live in the past and we cannot see what Jesus wants to do for our future. One of the cool things about this series that we want to do is that we just want to make an emphasis. This, this offer is available 24-7 here at White Oak. It's not that, that we're offering it here now and it's not offered at some other time. But we just want to be a reminder to you of the gift that Jesus brings. And so for some of us who have not accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, some of us who have not called Jesus Lord, there's an opportunity all month long just to have conversations about what that looks like. In our first service, we had a young lady who claimed Jesus for the very first time and was baptized in the midst of our first service. Man, it was an awesome celebration. And we're going to continue to offer opportunities for you to do that, leading all the way up to our Christmas Eve service. And so if you're somebody who's just been on the fence, you haven't experienced what it is that Jesus' birth really brings about, that hope, that freedom, man, we would love to be able to talk to you about that. You can, you can reach out to me. You can find me after service. You can mark it on your connection card and we will connect with you. And we would love to talk to you about what it is that Jesus really brings and ushers in to this place. We move from sin to a savior. Jesus came with a purpose. And while they didn't maybe see it fully then and there, we can see it now. Sin came into this world to wreak havoc. Jesus came to defeat sin once and for all. And so through Jesus and his birth, and his death, and his resurrection, we have hope. And we find peace. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your son. And we're just thankful that the gift that we received is this gift of grace, this gift of hope, God. In the midst of this chaos and in the midst of this destruction, God, that Jesus creates new life. Thank you so much for our opportunity just to be here today and just to lift up your name in praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.